Hello, my joys, and welcome to The Power of Joy with me, Adam Lyons. It is Sunday morning. I am chilling. My dog is asleep next to me. I've got my oat gingerbread latte, and my guest is about to arrive, so I better hurry up. His name is Christian Kramer, and he is known as Up In The Air CK. Christian has had the travel bug and love for planes since being a child. Going to school in different countries meant jumping on a plane to see family and friends became normal, and various stints working abroad both shrank his world, as he says, and made him an even more avid traveller. He's passionate about miles and points and how to maximise travel opportunities without breaking the bank, and he tries to travel as much as he can. He has worked for a travel media company called The Points Guy, which is the number one resource for all things travel, points, miles, and aviation. Now he's back in the more corporate world, so now travel is more of a hobby and a passion in his free time, and we are lucky to have him spread some joy here with us today. Now, I live for my holidays. Who doesn't? And it's always been a fascination. Do you remember the programme Wish You Were Here years ago in the 90s? It all started then, and still now I watch A Place in the Sun. I used to love airline, airport, all of the chaotic drama in the terminal. <laughs> it's just a vibe. We love our holidays. We love getting on that flight and travelling the world. But you know what? I am also a bit of an av geek, and a lot of people don't know this about me. I live in Putney, and it's right under the flight path, landing at Heathrow Airport. And I have this fascination where I want to know where the planes have just come from. I lay in the tub, I have my flight radar app open, and I'm just like, hmm, where's that plane been? What airline is it? It just brings me joy. And I also love when I'm walking the doggy and the planes are so low, landing above my head. It's just so cool to see. And I always remember Rylan Clark tweeting about it, saying, am I the only person who does this? And I was like, oh my gosh, I am not alone. I am an av geek. So my joys, please fasten your seatbelts as this episode is about to begin. This is The Power of Joy with Christian Kramer. Christian Kramer, a.k.a. Up in the ACK. Welcome to The Power of Joy. How are you? Good morning. I'm great, thank you. It's a Sunday morning. We have a coffee. What could be better? Now, I'm excited to talk all things travel, aviation, and the joy that it brings to myself and Christian. Honestly, I live for my holidays, and it's such a joyous part of life, being able to see our beautiful world in its various lights and experience different cultures. And my parents always encourage me to just get out there and travel as much as I can. And I've always been fascinated with planes too. And as a kid, you know, I used to buy the plane toy sets when I go on a flight. And I'd just be obsessed with pretending to fly. And it's something I still to this day can't quite get my head around that we have created a way of jetting across oceans and accessing our world so easily. And it's a very special experience. And quite scary for a lot of people, but there's more chance of accidents happening here on the ground, which is crazy. But we love to fly, and I have wonderlust flowing through my joyous veins. So, Christian, would you say that you are a man consumed by travelling the world? Yes, I, I, I would. I mean, I think, I think consumed might be sort of a strong way, but um, I love travelling, right? I, 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 I love it. I love seeing the world. I'm passionate about planes. I take certain routings to experience a plane I might not have been on, a seat I haven't been on. And I just think, you know, I, I sort of sometimes, you know, I, I do travel a lot. I'm very fortunate and I know how to play the system and, you know, sort of get get my most out of out of the pound spend. I do sometimes check in myself, you know, am I running away from something? So I think consumed with travel sort of sounds almost negative, but I love it. I have friends all over the world. I grew up in Germany. 
went to school in the US. I lived in Jersey Isle of Man, Los Angeles for a couple of years. I've made friends in, in, in places around the world. I've got friends from universities who live in New Zealand and Australia. And so I just love going and seeing them, exploring new places. And, you know, I often sit on a plane and sort of pinch myself and sort of force myself to, you know, I travel a lot. Mm. I'm fortunate, I know, as I said, how to how to play the system, you know, sit up towards the front of the plane. And I sort of can get, I get a bit blasé about it, but I sort of pinch myself saying, I'm lucky, I'm fortunate. And when you look out and you see, you know, the ocean or a desert or, you know, mm-hmm. you fly across the US or I just came back from Vietnam last last week and we were just approaching Eastern Europe and it was it was the the landscape was covered in snow and I was like, wow, this is oh, amazing. Yeah. Both the physical element of, as you said, we're in a metal tube, thirty five thousand feet across the across the ocean, but also pinch yourself. You know, sort of, I I I grew up in the I'm, I'm forty four. You know, in the eighties, sort of, you know, people didn't jump on a plane and just do a weekend in Barcelona or a weekend somewhere or mm-hmm. even a weekend in New York, which I I have done and you know I I, I sort of think is is one of the more crazy things I might do and so. You know, we are fortunate to live in a world where we can do that. Mm-hmm. And I feel very fortunate that I can do that. And still, it's amazing. But yes, I am, whether consumed by travel, I'm a man passionate about travel who loves planes, flying, connecting with people, being in different places. And yeah, I just love it. Yeah, me too. And when you were saying about when you're flying above places like the snow and you see the snow and the mountains, I'm always fascinated when you go across the Atlantic and you go over like Greenland mm. and I'm just like oh my gosh and Newfoundland and all that yeah. I look down I'm like whoa this is amazing yeah. to see the world from that angle is just amazing you also realize the sheer size of the world I used to live in yes. Los Angeles uh with work uh, a long time ago 15 years ago or so and you know fly from LA to Miami or from New York to LA and you sort of you know you fall asleep after that I always take off induces something in me I always fall asleep quite easily and then you sort of wake up after half an hour nap an hour nap sort of thinking oh must be nearly there yet because in Europe we're used to sort of flying for an hour and a half two hours and then you look at the moving map and it's like four hours to go five hours to go you know the world is a big place yeah um though thankfully these days you know you can reach anywhere in the world I guess within 24 hours I mean 24 hours is a long time to travel but you know as I said we are very fortunate a that it's affordable and b we have the technology you know I was just reading the other week a flight to Australia from the UK used to stop, I think it was in Dubai and somewhere else and somewhere else and somewhere else because mm-hmm. you just didn't have the range. You know, today you've got an hour and a half in Singapore and then you end up being in Sydney. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Now, when did you discover your passion for aviation and become an av geek, as they call it? <laughs> so I guess I guess having grown up in, I grew up in Germany, uh, did a year of high school in the US when I was 16, 17, sort of exchange type stuff year without somebody going the other way. And then I did A-levels in the UK. And so, so I guess that sort of embedded, you know, the, the notion in me that, that going home over Christmas, Easter, or even a long weekend when I did A-levels in the UK involved a flight. Yeah. And so that, that definitely sort of piqued my interest in the sort of miles and points and sort of seeing lounges and nicer seats and so on. I collected the postcards in the 80s when you flew, they sort of had postcards at the front of each section of the plane and sort of collected yeah. them. So I've always just loved it. And I love the the notion of getting on a plane and being at the airport. And I was sort of saying, let's go early to the airport. Let's go around and collect post and postcards. So there's something in me as a child that always loved it. And mm-hmm. then I guess sort of the experience of living and going to school and university in different countries from where my parents were. And then with work, I was in Jersey Isle of Man, Los Angeles. So actually living in Los Angeles almost shrunk my world. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't mean this in a bad way, but, but you know, I would fly back. I would come back for a two or three day team meeting. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I had a couple of free flights um, that my employer paid for uh, a year to sort of for personal use. So, you know, I, I was it was around, around the time I turned 30. So if there was a big birthday, I might fly back on a Thursday evening, land, you know, Friday lunchtime, have a curry Friday night, mm-hmm. see the friend birthday party on Saturday, fly back Sunday or Monday. And so the idea of, of flying halfway across the world-ish for two or three days as I said, shrunk my world. So suddenly, mm-hmm. if you said to me right now, hey, I've got a free ticket, or there's a really good deal, let's go for lunch next weekend in New York, I'll be like, I'm in. Uh-huh. Start as a child, somehow, always been into planes, and then just living internationally meant flying was normal for me, World World got shrunk, and I just love it. Oh, amazing. And then how did you get into working for the travel media company, The Points Guy? Yeah, so I've, I've worked in, in sort of financial services, sort of stumbled out of uni into sort of a graduate scheme, and... Um, it was sort of funny because I, I sort of at my work, I, I sort of, you know, people came to me with miles and points and obvious questions, friends and family. And in fact, there was a funny moment where, where somebody quite senior in the organization I worked for sort of sent me a message on the internal system saying, do you have 15 minutes later on? And I was like, bugger, like, what, <laughs> what, what does he want? Like, mm. what's broken? I said to my teams, like, you know, can we check all the systems? And so I'm like slightly anxious as he's coming down to to my floor to sort of, you know, talk to me for 15 minutes, like, what on earth is not working? What's broken? You know, we've done all the... And it turns out he wants to know how I can take his wife to Sydney on Avios over Christmas or something like that. <laughs> right. And so I've always been into miles and points, and I've had a bit of a reputation uh, about that. And so I, I, I've always read sort of all the travel blogs there are in the UK and in the US, some of the big ones. And so Brian Kelly uh, was the CEO and founder of uh, a travel blog, a travel media called The Points Guy. And, you know, I'd, I'd followed him and, and and the company and sort of read read all of their their stuff. And we, we chat, sort of chatted through Instagram and we sort of said, let's do dinner sometime in New York, but we never quite made that happen whenever I was there. And so uh, I heard he was in London. And uh, so I said, I'd love to do a coffee. And and we had a coffee and I remember going home afterwards and I said to a friend, oh, I think I just had a job interview uh, because Brian was quizzing me about how I would bring the, the points guy to the UK, you know, what mm-hmm. I thought the market was like and so on. And so long story short, I, I helped him a few weeks later um, sort of organizing an event, getting a few sort of av geeks, geeks, flight geeks, there's a website called Flyer Talk, uh, travel agent friends of mine, general friends together and sort of he used that as a bit of a uh, a brainstorm or sort of like a, a focus group almost sort of saying, yeah. you know, what was interesting. And then a couple of days later, I mean, he said, you know, we, we will be coming to the UK and uh, we will be looking for people. And so I sent him my CV saying, look, you know, I know the conversation had gone well, but he he didn't actually know anything about me apart from my Instagram handle and the fact that I was flying a lot. And so mm-hmm. uh, long story short, he offered me the job to be the general manager for the Point Sky UK. At the time, I didn't appreciate, you know, I, I told my parents I'm leaving the bank to join a travel blog. Mm-hmm. And my dad said, what's a blog? And when I explained what a blog was, he said, are you crazy? Um, because he thought, as most people might think, it's two people in a garage with a laptop. Well, it's actually, the point's got 150 staff, um, you know, massive sort of presence. Yes. And so, you know, the opportunity to do essentially my dream job was just too good to to, to not do. Now, I... I did. I did sort of think about will it ruin my hobby and passion? You know, if you suddenly have to have to do it every single day. Mm-hmm. And you know, there were some impacts like reading all of the other travel blogs. I now, you know, I did it this morning in bed. I had a coffee in bed and I read, you know, the UK travel blogs and all that. Mm-hmm. And I love doing that. And when I worked at the Points Guy, I actually changed that to my work email because suddenly you think about this: how did we cover that? You know, have we have we done that? So so it did sort of impact. You know, when you blur the line between hobby, passion, and job. 
it sort of is a little bit when do you stop working when you stop thinking about working and so on yeah. but but I, I sort of knew that was a, a risk but I wasn't going to let that stop me from taking my dreams off so I did that for sort of two years ish um, pandemic hit hit the company sort of hardish um, uh, for detailed business reasons I won't go in, in, into detail and sort of in the US the way they make money and so on I moved within the parent company to uh, the parent company owns a bunch of other businesses in in the in the UK and in the US and I'm actually back in banking now so I left that uh, 12 months ago, I went mm-hmm. on a three, four months sabbatical, unemployment, fun employment trip, which I've never done before, which was yes. amazing. Yes, uh, I bet. I, I want to do that again. And I'm back actually with the same bank that I left five years ago now. So oh, wow. that was my foray into sort of working for travel media company and sort of doing my dream job in travel. Yeah, amazing. Now, that joyful airport feeling, you feel the joy all around when people are about to jet off to their destinations. And some people have just been counting down for this moment, working their butts off for their holidays, and the time has finally arrived. You check in, go through security, hopefully pretty fast, and then your holiday begins. Now, how do you like to spend your time at the airport? Yeah, so it's it's, it's funny. Airports are a sort of funny place in, in that, you know, the... I love the scene from Love Actually where, you know, there's people waiting at Heathrow and sort oh. of people hug and sort of lodge yes. on the back. I mean, in reality, airports are stressful, right? Let's not mm. beat about the bush. It's, it's funny. <laughs> I did um, I did a small bit of anthropology in, in my university degree and the professor said, you know, if, if, if aliens landed from Mars and you had to describe Christmas, mm. you would just say a, a, a time of peace and love, you know, family and presence and maybe church or whatever. Yeah. Well, she said, in reality, there's more domestic violence at Christmas, more marriages break up, you know, more arguments. And so, on. And so airports, you know, they are magical because they are the departure port for mm-hmm. so many places, but they are stressful. But I guess being fortunate in that I know, as I said a couple of times, how to play the system, work the system. I have status, so it tends to be fast track. Um, yeah. I tend to go for the lounge. And I sort of, again, sort of pinch myself in that, you know, when you sit in some of the the, the top loungers, you know, which, which I mean, the marketing blurb will say, you know, haven of tranquility or whatever. It's yeah. not always that. But, you know, <laughs> it, it is a very different experience from lots of people. But I like waiting there. You know, I sort of, I, I, I do go out on the sort of the, the lounge I'm thinking at Heathrow sort of has a terrace and, you know, I do look at the planes. And yeah, I do, I do, that's my you know, favorite part as well. Look at some of the flight stalking apps, you know, yes. sort of saying what's that flight and so on. And so I, I, I enjoy the airport experience and I don't mind um, uh, connecting either. You know, sometimes the... Um, you know, connections, you know, there's some nice lounges, you know, it helps with sort of tier points and stuff. So, so my typical experience is, I mean, I, I'm pretty slick these days, so I'll probably arrive an hour and a bit before a flight. Uh, if mm-hmm. it's a longer flight, or I'm going on holiday, I might go sooner because sort of part of the joy of being at the airport. But if, you know, if, if I'm going on a work trip or seeing family in Germany or so, and sort of, you know, cut it fine-ish, you know, yes. Elizabeth line now sort of helps with that stuff. <laughs> And then, yeah, sort of fast track lounge and then uh, to the gate. But I mean, I do the, the magic for me. I, I do love looking at the departure board. And, um, you know, when, when I do fly on some of the longer flights, you know, whether that's Los Angeles or, or even Sydney, I've got a Sydney coming up. I did a Sydney um, as part of my big trip. Yeah. It is sort of amazing looking at that departure board, looking at a boarding pass and thinking my boarding pass says London, Sydney on it. Like, yes. wow. Yeah. Um, and I do love looking at the destinations. And I would love to, you know, if I didn't, didn't have work and therefore if 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 time was more freely available 
I would love to do that sort of game of. I'd love to, in fact, Adam, you and I should go to the airport, yeah. no ticket, and we just look at the departure board and go, where do you want to go? Let's do it. And let's do an Avios, like, you know, yeah. it doesn't, because I guess last minute flights can be super expensive, but like, let's let's pick someone that departure board, have a look, is there an Avios seat we can do? And let's oh just, let's just go and fly. Well, I'm going to hold you to that. That's a dream. And I'm so let's spontaneous and I live for stuff like that. Right, let's finish the podcast. <laughs> to Heathrow we go. Let's go. <laughs> now, what brings you joy when being on board a flight? How do you spend your time up in the air? Yeah, so again, you know, I sort of, I, I force myself, you can get quite plaisé about it. I love traveling with friends. I love traveling on my own. It is super fun traveling with friends who haven't done the premium travel I might have done. So I love going with people who have not done business class before. I went mm-hmm. on a work trip in September uh, with a colleague who's never done business class before. She was asking me, is there dress code? She was sort of asking me, like, you know, do I have to pay for things? And she mm. sort of said when the menu was like, she was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. And that just, that brings me joy seeing somebody oh, else who hasn't done that. When I travel on mine, as I said, I'm sort of, you know, I force myself not to be blasé about it. I do, I love reading. I find um, I don't read enough when I'm in London. I just, you know, I try to make more space for it, mm-hmm. but I fail. Me too, um, yeah. But I do read on, on holidays. And so I love reading on, 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 on flights. I love reading when I'm at destination. I read sort of 10 books on my my fun employment trip earlier in the end. So typically on board, it's either reading or films. Actually, I don't tend to watch many films these days. I mm-hmm. sort of watch Netflix series from time to time, the sort of bite-sized stuff you can chuck in half an hour here and there. But mm-hmm. um, I sort of tend to catch up on sort of the, the sort of big films or cinemas I've left. M- my tip is I always I always sleep. So, so even when I go on a day flight to the US, I try to get some sleep so that I land because I guess you're gaining five or even eight hours if you go to the West Coast. Um, so I have some rest and then enjoy the food. And as I sort of said, I, you know, I, I, after the pandemic on, on my first sort of U.S. trip, I was just sitting, you know, in, in on the plane. And I think it was going from New York to Phoenix or New, uh, yeah, I think it was Phoenix, might have been L.A., basically going across the U.S. And I always go on the A side when I fly westbound, on the F side when I fly the other way, because that U North, for me, is a nicer view when you cross the Rockies. Right. I'm just looking out and I was like, I am so lucky, you know, mm-hmm. right? You look at that landscape, you look at, you know, the terrain, and this is Utah or, or whatever, you know, sort of the Rockies are starting and yeah. it's all sort of red and orange. You just think, you know, I am so lucky, you know, I'm on my way to see some friends in San Francisco or I think I was joining my brother in Canada or something. And it's like, you know, I'm lucky I can do this. You know, this is an amazing feat of engineering. I just... That sort of I it brings me joy sort of being on board. I mean, of course, again, there's lots of experiences where flying back from Asia last week, I couldn't sleep particularly well. My neighbor was really noisy. I had a really big work week coming up. I was thinking about work. I was stressed. So it's by no means always sort of calm and joyful. But but yeah. I do I do enjoy that time. And it's a good sort of me time. And as I said, that, you know, reading or or watching TV. I mean, once upon a time, I've actually taken a, a pile of mail with me on a plane to sort of to open mail and sort of read <laughs> some stuff. So, but I don't typically do that. And I think that's sort of slightly, I think there was quite a few people in the cabin who thought, what on earth is this guy doing? Sort of having a pile of mail is opening. But yeah, uh, it's it's good, nice me time for me. As I said, particularly when, when I which I which I try most of the time, you know, when I use my avios to make sure that I fly in, in comfort. Yeah. Joe, you know I tend to be really reflective when I'm on a flight. I go into my own little world and like I start thinking about all the things in life, what I love and the things I want to do. It makes me really think and I just go into my world. And I went to Bali in January with my friend Ellie and I didn't watch one film. 
and the flight was 17 hours. We switched, switched at Dubai and we were just so present and excited talking about all the things we wanted to do when we get there and just being literally so high on life. And I have a fascination with maps and I just stare at the map staring at the screen for pretty much the whole flight because I just love to see where we are and I love to look out the window and see the clouds and it just blows my mind. But I just stare at the map. Do you have the map up the whole time? Yeah, I do. Let me just go quickly point to your point. I, I think what you said there, we also, we, we live in a world where we're constantly on Wi-Fi, right? Constantly mm -hmm. connected. So actually, actually, the last couple of flights I've taken, I, I have done Wi-Fi and I almost wish I hadn't because mm. there, there used to be something like when you're on a plane for eight hours, yes, there's an element of your tongue, your plane, a bit like first thing in the morning, I guess, you know, what messages did I get overnight? But we're always connected and on the plane, thankfully, most, some of the time, you're not. And so actually, that's the space when you can't scroll Instagram, you can't yes. scroll sort of various stuff and so 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 i agree with that it's it's a nice time to sort of disconnect a little bit yeah. yes i love the maps I, I sort of look at it um you know the interactive maps on the on the plane uh i do i do sometimes when there is wi-fi even whilst i'm on the plane might go on uh, flight radar 24 and track my own flight to mm. sort of seeing you know how does the onboard computer differ from that yeah i do definitely um on flight 20 flight radar 24 i i stalk two things stalk sounds slightly wrong but Actually, I do three things before I fly. There's a website called Expert Flyer, right. and you can see flight loads. Um, so I can see how busy the cabin is likely to be. And, um, you know, there's, there's, there's a school of thought that says pick an empty flight mm -hmm. because it's nice to have an empty cabin. There's a school of thought that says pick a really busy flight because if the flight is busier and you have status, you're much more likely to get upgraded. Yeah. And so I sort of tend to look at, um, uh, you know, flight loads of my flight on, on, on Expert Flyer. Um, the two things I use flight radar for, well, three things, one on board sort of geeking out. Mm -hmm. the, the two other things is I look at my plane. So typically British Airways the day before will assign a plane. And so say say you and I are flying to New York tomorrow for our lunch date yeah. um, that we said we're doing. <laughs> um, today, at some point today, we'll get an aircraft assigned. And so what I do is I'll have a look at where's that plane be? You know, a, so cool, slight man. curiosity, you know how old is the plane you know yeah. blah 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 whatever you know where has some people say planes are, are are female where has she been where has it been this week yeah but then also sort of slightly work out so if if if, if i were to fly to see my parents in germany this evening what is the plane doing how many sectors is it flying today you know and and is it running on time you know obviously mm -hmm. there are there are sometimes aircraft swaps particular on short haul the smaller planes the long haul tends to be more sticky so once the plane is assigned that's the plane um they will swap aircraft on the Shorter, but it's it's a neat way of working out um, uh, is there a chance of delays or not. But the other thing I do is I look at the flights the previous days. Um, so, you know, British Airways will say the flight to New York is eight hours. Well, there's a thing called the jet stream. It's stronger and weaker. It's yes. stronger in the winter, which means, you know, the, the westbound flight to the US tends to take longer and the eastbound flight back tends to be shorter because the winds are stronger. And so mm -hmm. I'll have a look. So they're scheduled eight hours. Well, yesterday it was seven hours and 11. The day before was six hours and 59. So I sort of have a look at typical flight times just to work out in my head what to expect. Is it going to be a longer flight? Is it going to be a shorter flight? And then sometimes you just have a play around with, with routes. I was just flying back from uh, Ho Chi Minh City to Doha and actually the routing was slightly more southerly and it wasn't Ukraine related or Russia related or something. Nice. But it's sort of, you know, you geek out a little bit on what has my flight been doing for the last three days. Yeah. Oh, it's so cool talking to you about this because, like, some of my friends don't really understand, like, this fascination I have. And when you're saying it, it's like, that's exactly what I think. Like, I just am fascinated and the routes and just seeing where I'm going. And 
oh, and I always question why. I'm like, why are we going that way? What's happening today? What's different? And so it's good to know that you can actually check that out on that website. What's it called again? Flight Radar 24. Flight Radar 24. And so I had, um, when you said about checking it out, I I flew back from, uh, I think it was from Lisbon to to London, or might have been Madrid to London. It was Lisbon, I think. Mm -hmm. I was seeing a friend there. And the plane took a really, really, really strange routing. I I took screen, I took um, pictures of, of the map because I think there was a, French air traffic control strike or Spanish air traffic control or something. Right. And so we sort of went really north and almost looked like, hold on, are we going le- are we flying to the US here? Yeah. Because you normally sort of I think I think it was Madrid actually, but so we sort of went north over Spain and then normally you sort of cut over sort of France and mm. sort of head towards London. And it actually the flight took an hour longer. So it was like three and a half hours rather than two and a half hours yeah. or something. And that routing, I was like, at which point do I ask the crew? Like, this does not look like we're What's happening? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's sort, of, it's sort of interesting. You know, the geek in me is like, you know, afterwards I was straight away. It was like, why is this longer? Did this yeah. happen yesterday? Is it happening on other flights today? And the answer was air traffic control strikes in France. You know, space closed. You got to be outside of that. So, yeah, I love it when... I'm not saying I'm loving it when things don't go to plan. Because <laughs> when you're on that plane, you think, I just want to be home. I just want to see friends. Uh, but it is sort of sometimes interesting or fascinating to see 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 unusual things on there. A hundred percent. Now, do you have a favorite airline? I'm loyal to One World, not because so One World Alliance. There's different airline alliance. Mm-hmm. I, I guess if you live in London, you're sort of stuck with British Airways, and British Airways isn't terrible. Like there's lots of people who love to lay into BA. I think you know that they're they're business challenge is they need to compete with low-cost carriers in short-haul space mm-hmm. uh, but they want to be a premium airline you know the the, the BA makes a billion dollars in revenue between London and New York and so you know they want business travel they want that premium travel and so so the, the airline doesn't have it easy I think they're actually all right like you know if, if you fly to Barcelona or Frankfurt or Berlin whatever yes of course EasyJet Ryan is slightly cheaper I tend to stick with BA just because mm-hmm. I have that status which gives me that fast track that lounge you know, the free checked bag, the free seat, you know, all the stuff you might have to pay. So, so do I, is BA my favorite airline? Not necessarily. Am I loyal to One World? Yes, where I can. So One World is a, is one of the three major alliances. You've got Star Alliance, Sky Team, One World, and BA is one of the founding members of One World. So American Airlines is in there, Cathay Pacific, Qatar, Qantas, uh, a bunch of Iberia, a bunch of other ones. And so I tend to be loyal to One World, which is why my sort of experience is slightly skewed. But through uh, the point scan, my overflights, you know, I, I, Cafe can be very good. Uh, Cafe business class can be very good. Mm-hmm. Qatar has a, has a fantastic business class product called Q Suites. Um, they also have a, a really old, when I say really bad, it, it's still business class. I just flew back on a 222, you know, the geeks will sort of, you know, roll their eyes, sort of a 222 layout. Anyway, they have an amazing product called Q Switch, which is sort of a, a suite, a door, and, you know, you get a little electric candle on your oh, white wow. tablecloth on board. They're pretty good. Um, I actually had a really nice experience um, on a on a seven three seven. So seven three seven doesn't have flat beds; it just has recliner seats. Uh, flying from New Zealand to Fiji and then from Fiji to Australia earlier in the year, and it was a three and a half hour flight from Wellington to to Fiji. And their food was amazing. If I could show you the picture, you would not uh. believe that that's on board. Like they had a the food and the presentation. There was a little thing. So. There's a whole there's there's a lot of airlines that do things well. I mean, I think overall most airlines are 
decent, right? I mean, there's some airlines yeah. you might not you might not necessarily choose, but mm-hmm. but but you know, I've flown Norwegian long haul to the US. I've flown you know, I've flown economy long. I mean, of course, if I've flown economy short haul, I don't really care what it is. So yeah. I've I've done all sorts. I've I've been lucky enough, as I said, to fly Singapore Airlines business class, which was pretty cool. But I would say, you know, my my loyalty sits with with One World. If you said pick one of those, I'd, I'd say Qatar is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like Cafe. The Hong Kong loungers are, are pretty nice. Oh, cool. uh, Qantas has a nice product, and the Sydney first class lounge is amazing. You've got fantastic views. Yeah, really nice food. And BA is fine. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think you know some people sort of slate it, but their new sort of sweet product isn't bad. So. You know, would I say favorite airline, British Airways, people are going to roll their eyes because BA overall is sort of slightly middle of the road, but they're decent. There's some that are better. There's others that are are worse. No, I did a musical a couple of years ago called Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, and I did a commercial for BA called BA Magic. Oh, nice. (laughs) And I had to get dressed up in the Gumby outfit and I was dragged up and I was at Heathrow Airport and I had to welcome this woman through who was going to Australia to watch her nephew starring yeah. Priscilla in the version over there and it was so cool I was like strutting through Heathrow Airport being like welcome to British Airways <laughs> nice. and it was just so cool I'll have to google that there, there's a blog I, I really <laughs> like reading called One Mile at a Time and he this guy called Ben who runs it he sometimes puts like out his favourite airline commercials or historic airline commercials yeah. or his favourite uh, airline safety videos and so I love some of the old uh, British Airways commercials you know the world's favourite airline or when they introduced the floodbed uh, in in Club World, there was uh, yeah. uh, there was a bed in in Times Square and a bed in Piccadilly Circus. So I'll I'll have to Google Adam yeah, it's British Airways commercial. Magic. BA Magic, YouTube BA Magic, Anton nice. Emission, I think it's called. Nice. Uh, but also, I loved Singapore Airlines. Yeah. Yeah, I flew to New Zealand and we were switching in Singapore and. I remember they came and gave me a Singapore sling and that yep. was the first experience of that cocktail. And I was like, this is my cocktail for life. It was gorgeous. And you get, even in economy, <laughs> you get a, you get a, a menu like, and it's yeah. not, it's not a piece of paper. It's like a little booklet. Stunning. Um, yeah. yeah. I think that's my favorite. And sort type. of like hot cloths and stuff, even in economy. So yeah. Oh, I love it. Now, what is the longest flight you've ever been on? So I guess I, as I said, I've, I have done Sydney, which is sort of pretty cool in that. So so I was booked a few years ago with work to do the Perth-London flight, which mm. is one of the longest flights in the world. So it's nonstop. Yeah, I think how long of, is that? I think it's 16, 17, possibly even 18 hours one way. The other way, it's slightly less because, again, it's 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 with the winds. Yeah. Uh, I then left my employer to join the points guy, and my employer said, you're no longer going to, to Sydney to this nah. conference. So I didn't end up doing that flight. So the, the longest flights I have done is, is, is Singapore uh, as a direct flight, which mm-hmm. is sort of... 13-ish, can be 14. I think the, the last time I flew back from Singapore was sort of just over 14 because the winds were strong. And then, of course, Sydney is a is a stopping service. So it, it is London, Singapore, Sydney with, with British Airways. Yeah. But I've done that. I've been lucky. So I, I actually did that uh, a few years ago, probably 10 years ago, on, a, on an Avios. So it might have been called British Airways Air Miles at the time. Uh, a Qantas uh, ticket there. And I was on the Qantas 380, which is fairly new in first class. And it's just amazing. And, and amazing. I, I did it. I'm, I'm going again in, in February to see some friends in Sydney, New Zealand. I already mentioned them. And I've got the through tickets. So I've got a London, Sydney boarding pass. Well, I will have. Yeah. Um, and it is in first class because I have a way of unlocking Avios seats through my status. And then I use the British Airways American Express card to have the Avios cost and blah, 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 and all that sort of stuff. And, and I guess that's pretty cool to, to say I'm going to be in first class on a plane for 24 hours. I've also done Australian economy, so it's by no means sort of, you know, always that. But so mm-hmm. London, Australia is probably the longest flight I've done in terms of individual segments. 
Los Angeles, where I used to live. Uh, Singapore is pretty long. Yeah, uh, I've done Tokyo from Doha and sort of a few other cool flights. But yeah, oh, London, man. Australia doesn't doesn't get longer than that. Yeah, I think that was my longest one to Singapore for sure. Yeah. yeah. And what has your shortest flight been? So short is interesting. I, I I've really wanted to do. So I've, when I was at the Point Sky, I wrote about. Um, we wrote about there's a there's a there's a route. I think it's called. Um, it's a route in Scotland. I forget where it's from, but it's basically like two minutes because it's oh my gosh. it's sort of almost a subsidized. It's a small island. You could take a ferry and it's like half an hour or something. Or I, th- I think it's like two or three miles and it's a that government subsidized route. <laughs> I think it's Papa Westray to Westray or something like right. that as a route. I've always wanted to do that. I've also just like digressing on Scotland. There's in Barra, you land on the beach. So Barra is a place in Scotland where... At low tide, you land on the beach. At high tide, you don't. So, right. so the sort of timetable changes when, when the beach is around. Uh, the, the shortest flights I've taken, I guess, um, let me have a think. I've, I've flown to Manchester as part of a connection ticket. And yeah. I was based in Jersey um, for 18 months with work again, 15 years or so ago. And Jersey sort of is a 32-minute flight. It's probably 35. I mean, they, they block it at sort of an hour, hour and mm-hmm. 10 or something. But actually in the A, it's sort of half an hour. And so you sort of... You always look at the crew and you think, wow, you know, because like the first 10 minutes of the flight, they can't really get out of the seats. The last 10 minutes of the flight, they sort of should really be wrapping up things again. And so basically they have sort of 15 minutes in the middle to, you know, those in Club Europe, which is the first few rows to serve them a meal mm-hmm. and the rest sort of, you know, a bottle of water and a packet of crisp. And you think, wow, that's pretty, pretty hard work for the crew. So shortest Manchester, Jersey, sort of half an hour, 35 minutes-ish. Yeah, I think mine was Liverpool to Dublin. It was quite quick. It's just up and down, have a sandwich, have a drink, have a snack and come down and you're in Dublin. It's crazy. Now, I love plain food and we touched on it before about getting the menus and stuff, which is amazing. But I find the smell really nostalgic, you know, from that excitement of going on holiday as a kid. I genuinely love the taste of the food and the experience of eating whilst being 48,000 feet in the air. But what is the best plain meal you have ever had, if you can remember? <laughs> wow. Um, I mean, I'd say most recently that Fiji Airways flight was pretty impressive. I mean, I think it was sort of like a pulled beef cheek or something. It was sort of a beef oh. meat of sorts that sort of was really soft. But it was the presentation that was just so top notch. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, you know, it, it's, it's the eye eats as much as, you know, if, if your plate looks like, it's been done with love and well presented. And it's funny, I've, I've been on, again, BA flights where where if I've had a, a heavy summer or so of travel where you might get the same meal, but on two different flights, you know, a month apart or something. And sometimes yeah. it looks like this and sometimes it looks like that because I guess the crew, you know, on in, in business, or in first they sort of plate it for you. And so like they, they might pull the sausage differently or something. So right. that Fiji Airways definitely. Um, Qatar is, is, is pretty good again, sort of their business class. They have dine on demand. So um, you can eat whatever you want. So it's not a case of, right, food is now. Mm-hmm. You're now having uh, having food. I don't love breakfast on planes. I find that is on the more boring side. Mm, so I agree. You know, whichever cabin, you know, there's nothing fancy. You know, scrambled eggs, scrambled eggs. And yeah, it's just fine. I mean, you know, after a night flight, it's sort of. But I, if if breakfast was the main meal, I'd find that disappointing. Yeah. I sort of <laughs> like something else. I actually quite like, and I've read a, a lot over the years, not specifically about food, but you know. They sometimes do make food, uh, not spicy, spicy, but spices are different in the air. I think your taste buds generally are more bland in the air or sort of blanded or something. So okay. so they tend to have food slightly more on the spicy side. So mm-hmm. I actually quite like a curry yeah, in me a too. plane, like That's something a bit more interesting, like, you know, 
a pasta and meatball is sort of like fine. Yeah. But like if you give me a, a curry meal of sorts, I'd, I'd, I'd definitely go for that. So um, yeah. yeah. Me too. And I do love the chicken dishes. If it's like a roast yep. dinner or something, yep. I feel like the chicken's always gorgeous. <laughs> no matter what plane you're on, whatever flight, it's lovely. Now, where are some of your favourite places you have been in the world? Yeah, that's a, that's always an interesting... I, I get asked that question in the singular often. People say, what's your favourite place? And yeah. I think that's really difficult because, you know, there's different moods for different things. So I, again, big caveat... I am so, so lucky, and I remind myself right now of that, to have been to many, many places. One of my best holidays ever, and that sort of sounds a grand word, was actually a bunch of university friends. We had a a, a boat, um, I forget what it was called, one of those wooden boats off Bodrum in Turkey, mm. uh, actually for five days. And we had a skipper, we had a, a guy on board who sort of cooked and sort of another deckhand. So it wasn't anything fancy. Don't think sort of, you know, below the deck yeah. Mediterranean sort of big <laughs> yacht. It was sort of a wooden thing. And right. what was just amazing about that trip, we the, the skipper said to us at the beginning of the five days, look, we can go the sort of the more popular route and there'll be, I think they're called gullets, these boats, I think. Right. Um, he said, we can go the more popular route and there'll be lots and lots of gullets. Or we can go sort of the other way, the path less traveled or whatever. And it wasn't as meant to be as grand, as, as, as deep and meaningful as that. And so we did that and we just we just sort of most mornings you'd wake up and we'd be moored sort of we'd sort of anchored in a bay, so not in a harbor. And and I'd wake up and you jump off the side of the boat, you know, that's your morning shower essentially. You go for a swim. Mm. By the time you come back, there's coffee and breakfast waiting for you. The crew were doing sort of lunches on board. We sometimes did dinners on board, sometimes went off. And that was just amazing. And 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 I guess, you know, if if you if you said to me, is therefore Bodrum in Turkey one of your favorite destinations? We didn't actually do Bodrum. I think Bodrum itself is a bit more sort of party town and mm. city. But like that trip itself on a boat with some good friends, you know, yeah. playing music, you know. And, and, and I guess it's a time and a place. Like if you said to me, let's do that every year. Mm. I'm not sure. Like I'd love to do that again. <laughs> let's do that after <laughs> after going to a lunch in New York. Okay. Let's, let's go on a boat. Yeah, New York to Bodrum. But, but that was just an amazing place. I also, I do, I do like, um, I mean, a, a couple of, of favorite places. So I love Palm Springs. Um, mm, I love Palm Springs. Such a chilled vibe. I love going up. Like, I love the, I mean, Harry Styles and the, what's the film called? It'll be all right, darling, or it'll be, it's okay, darling, or whatever. Yeah, don't worry, darling. That's the one. Yeah. Um, you know, I love, I was there two, 18 months ago-ish, maybe last year. I was there last year, last year, November. And through friends we stayed with people who lived there and they sort of drove us through a lot of the sort of the art deco the sort mm. of historic housing and, but i just it's a super chilled vibe there's there's a gondola you can take up a man so i like palm springs again would i go more than once a year no do i go once a year no and and w what can be quite fun is when i lived in los angeles i ended up being in vegas like 12 or 13 times because every time a friend from the UK came over. He said, "Let's." He or she said, "Let's go to Vegas." Mm. And I always think Vegas is the sort of place you look forward to going, and then as soon as you're there, you look forward to leaving. Actually, right, okay. but for me, Vegas and Palm Springs is a good combo. So yes. if if you, I, I don't drink. I don't particularly sort of gamble. I sort of allow myself to play on a five dollar blackjack table from time yeah. to time. But like a couple of days in Vegas, sort of craziness, lights, you know, wow, blah blah. blah. And then you go to Palm Springs and chill. Yes. In the same way that actually Miami Beach. Wouldn't want to spend a week there, mm -hmm. but it's quite fun people watching. And then Key West is a really fun counter to that. So, so I guess you know that trip Bodrum. I do, I do like Palm Springs, Key West, super chilled. 
Uh, I love, a friend of mine built an amazing hotel in Santorini. Um, I sort of try to go once a year. Beautiful. Amazing views of the island, amazing sunsets. I do love that place. I've only been to Mykonos once, didn't particularly sort of do the sort of party side of it. Enjoy that. I mean, there's so many places. I, I do like city breaks as well. So for me, Sydney is a nice combination of, you know, I love taking, for example, the ferry from, from the harbour and then yeah. you walk to Manly or you walk to some of the other beaches a mm-hmm. bit more off the beaten track. Every time I'm in Sydney, I do this sort of Kong, uh, Coogee to Bronte walk, I think it is, along with the cemetery. Yeah. So there's so many places, but there's also lots of places I, I still want to go. So if you said pick your top three, that Bodrum trip was amazing. Mm-hmm. I do like uh, Australia. Actually, I'm going to go more than three. Fiji earlier in the year was... So it's, it's <laughs> difficult. It sort of depends on a time and a place. And, and, and there's a, some places where I like going back to, but there's lots, lots, lots of love on my beach. So I'm not sure I've answered that, but those were some no, of the good ones. No, that's amazing. Yeah. My favourite place is Bali. But nice. Particularly yeah. Changu. Yeah. Was just... I was so... I felt like it was my second home. Yeah. I just got there and I was like, I belong here. Yeah. Like, I loved the whole vibe. Yeah. But I didn't really... When I went to Ubud, I didn't really connect with the jungle and I was shocked because I thought that's where my Bali experience was mm. going to truly be. But it wasn't. It was Changu. It's more like the restaurants, the coffee shops, just like the general vibe. Did you go to Changu? Yeah. So I, I went to Bali for the first time. So a couple of years ago, I, I, I don't believe in um, New Year's resolutions list because I just don't. Mm. But a couple of years ago, I sort of told myself because I, I go back. I said to myself, rather than going back to Miami Beach or whatever, it's, it's easy. Mm. I want to do two or three places this year I haven't been before. And so the, the year before the pandemic on my list was New Orleans, Iceland, and I forget what the third one was. And then the 2020 was going to be my... Oh, no, but Bali was my 2019. So, mm. so in the 2020, it was going to be Ecuador or somewhere in South America. It was going to be Vietnam and I forget where else. And obviously, pandemic happened. So did Bali for the first one in 2019 and then really good friend of mine moved from London to Bali uh, about a year and a half ago. And so I was in Bali this year for New Year's Eve, mm-hmm. uh, 10 days over over that. Uh, and then I went back in in March at the end of my big trip. And so I really enjoyed it. I think Bali is, is a funny one in that lots of people think of Bali as this beautiful paradise island. Actually, the beaches aren't the most beautiful beaches yeah. I've been to. Actually, yeah. like few people go on the beach. But, but Bali is so many different things. I'd love to actually go to some of the islands around Bali, but mm. if you go to the south, I think it's called Uluwatu. Um, I've been to Uluwatu. Beautiful Stunning. temples, some actually cliffs down to some really remote beaches and yeah. some really nice beaches there. Versus Semenyak, which is sort of their main town, is actually really hectic. Yeah. Um, I mean, I quite like the mopeds and, you know, driving yeah. on, the, on the side one pavement. But again, <laughs> Semenyak Beach, nobody really swims. It's actually, it's a bit on the... Dirty side. It's not. It's not. It's not really Seminyak, isn't? And then so Kangu or Changu is sort of slightly more sort of chilled, and you mm-hmm. know restaurants and 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 Ubud. I mean, my my friend who lives there, he really complains about the traffic. He just said it's so wild. And I guess when you visit, it's like I think, like, wow, this is cool. Let's take a picture of a gazillion moped drivers and cars. But he lives there, and he says it's just mad how yeah. bad traffic. And so Ubud is a little bit. I mean, I quite like it in the jungle and the. And the valleys and, and the river, but it is sort of a little bit sort of hippies finding themselves. It is a bit hot and humid, and mm. it's actually quite small, actually. But it's not it's yeah. not that big. Yeah, I was surprised, but I loved it. I loved every second. Mm. It was amazing. Now, when you're traveling around the world, is it mostly alone? Are you a solo traveler? How does it compare with when you're with friends? Talk to us about that. 
Yeah, so it, 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 it's a bit of both, actually. And I, I actually love both. Um, mm -hmm. I go on lots of trips with friends, whether that's sort of bigger trips or weekend breaks. And then, you know, I also meet up with friends. But I've also, I've done, I've done trips on my own. And I guess I always think you have to be in the, in the right mindset for it to not sort of feel lonely or feel like I, I wish I was here with somebody else. And so on my unemployment, fun employment, sabbatical, whatever, insert name here trip, I sort of half of it, was with friends and mm -hmm. so in in bali i met with my friend and his partner uh i then went to new zealand with a friend from london we did sort of 10 days on the south island it's some amazing hiking some beautiful place i then saw my friend who lives there uh, on the north island and then i went to fiji on my own uh went to tasmania with a friend so it was a real mix but i i, I really enjoyed and i think when i travel on my own particularly on that big trip and it was the first time i had three four months off i've never done a sabbatical i've never done a, a gap year um, I read seven, eight books. One of them, The Goldfinch, a thousand pages. There's no way I can read a thousand pages. I just don't, as I said in London, I, I wish I was, and I, I know I can make it happen. It's, it's in my power. I, yeah. I, it's not, nobody's telling me you can't read books, Christian. But, but I loved reading that book. There was a book I loved reading called The Four Hour Work Week, which was uh, written in the early 2000s. So lots of stuff, bunch of things in there are sort of quite out of date, sort of pre pandemic. But there's some really interesting questions he's asking, which, which is still, it's, it's impacted me. It's changed my life. Sounds mm -hmm. dramatic, but it's changed the way I look about, the look at work, think about work, think about what I want to do. And so, you know, I spend a lot of time on that trip, particularly because I, I was made redundant about a year ago or so. I was having conversations with, uh, with actually my former employer about potentially coming back, but I was unemployed on this trip. And so lots of time to reflect. And, mm -hmm. and that's, you know, you, you said it earlier on the plane, you, you sort of think a lot. So you know, when I travel on my own, I sort of, you know, I reflect, I, mm -hmm. I think. And so I love, I love it both. I, I, I wouldn't, you know, I, I'm not sure I'm, I'm an extrovert. I like hanging out with people. I'm not sure I could do three months completely on my own. And I guess in today's world, it's so easy through, you know, Instagram, you see who else is around here. You post a story and suddenly somebody says, oh, I'm also in this. Yeah, or yeah. You know, dating apps, whether you're after, you know, a date or whatever, or just, you know, I've met people through apps where, where you know, in, in Fiji, um, met, met, met somebody from Australia and we I sort of had a higher car, which was a truck. And, you know, we went down roads I probably wouldn't have done if I'd been on my own because, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, if we had been gotten stuck, I'm not sure what, how we would have saved each other's lives. But, you know, when you're with somebody, you're slightly more adventurous in terms of what yeah. road you might take. I was just talking yeah. to a friend about this who was traveling in Vietnam actually just before me. And he also met somebody through a dating up in a completely non-date or sexual way and sort of said you know they 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 did trips and went at night on a moped that he wouldn't have done on, on his own so mm. we have means today of connect with people who are also traveling yeah um you know i don't do youth hostels anymore there's a time and a place for that and so i know some people do i've got friends who still do that because it's an amazing place to meet others of travelers so long way of saying i love traveling with friends and do a lot i love traveling on my own but I think you need to, I always think you need to be in the right mindset of not going into a trip saying I'm going on this trip alone because I'm single or because whatever. Yeah. But actually I'm choosing to and, and you know, having that. And for me, it's that balance, as I said, on my big trip, you know, looking forward to seeing some friends, looking forward to time on my own, to reflect, mm -hmm. to think about what's important for my job search for me in life, you know, read the books. And and it's just, yeah, it's it's it's, it's amazing to have that not saying disconnected time like on the plane but having time to yourself and think in a beautiful place and so i like it both yeah me too me too i remember going to la for the first time years ago on my own and i just thought am i 
Like, is this experience going to be quite a lonely one? But it wasn't. Like, I was on the beach. Next minute, a group of people were like, hey, come on over. So, mm. And, like, next minute, I'm being invited to their parties, invited to go for dinners. And I was like, it's, you meet so many people so mm. spontaneously and organically. And it's, it's a lovely thing to do, to go away on your own and just be comfortable in your own presence as well. Yeah, and I think it gives you that space for self-reflection. You know, on, on the big trip, I, I extended it a few times. So, so the trip started as Bali for New Year's Eve, eight mm. days, when I was still had work. And then when I got made redundant, my friend from London had said, let's do New Zealand. I said, I don't have holidays, I can't. And I was like, actually, I can. Mm. And so I was going to fly back in February and then I extended to the beginning of March and then the middle of March and then send it to April. And so in, in, in January, as I was reading this book called The 4-Hour Workweek, where he sort of said, what's your passion and what's important and sort of stuff, I was sort of asking myself, what am I running away from? Like, mm. why do I keep extending this trip? And so, so I think that's a really good challenge to yourself right yeah. that self-awareness which is unrelated to travel i mean i'm convinced travel broadens your your mind broadens mm -hmm. your horizon you meet different cultures you you see different things yeah. right you know you have a better understanding for lots of things but but that you know w w what's important to me what am i running away from that self-awareness um is 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 almost unrelated so th though i do think you know i again um you know i i I've had dark moments in, 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 in my life, in my time. And, 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 you know, one of my favorite tools is, is halt hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Mm -hmm. So when I feel like the whole world is against me mm -hmm. or nothing is going my way, I'm usually hungry and I'm usually tired. And those are self-inflicted, yes. right? And, and, yes. and that feeling of hunger and tired leads to a feeling of loneliness and, and, and anger. And so, so through that self-awareness, I know when I feel that, mm -hmm. that the world isn't against me, but that I need some sleep and some food. And of course, travel, jet lag, you know, I come back from a big trip and I, I can easily go into a sort of self-pity. Oh, I've got nothing to look forward to. Well, I've got five holidays already planned for next year. Yes. We are just planning our sixth trip. You know? yeah. <laughs> so so it, it, it's, it's almost that self-awareness. And so I think, you know, with, with travel, it's, it's that, you know, when you do feel lonely or when you feel tired or jet lag, you know, it can be overwhelming. So mm. I think I think a bit of self-awareness and checking in with yourself is important. Uh, and almost then springing out, springing yourself out of that, right? Saying, right, I know why I feel this way. Yes. And I'm going to do something, watch a sunset, read a book, have a bath, you know, insert sort of self, self-care here. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's all linked to reflection. A hundred percent. Now, is there anywhere in the world you haven't been yet? What is on your list? Actually, loads of places. I mean, I, again, super privileged, super lucky, been to loads of places. I sometimes wonder whether I go to the US too much. And I probably do it because it's easy. Mm. You know, I've been there. I know the place. I've got lots of friends in the US yeah. and, you know, speak the same language. Currency is easy. I've actually only done Argentina in South America once. I've done Mexico, sort of not really done Mexico, but... I'd love to do either go back. Argentina was in 2004, so that's probably changed quite a bit. I'd love to do um, Ecuador, you know, Chile. I'd love to do more there. I've only done South Africa once. Uh, I'd love to go back there. I, mm -hmm. I was really fortunate um, through working at the Point Sky. I was in Liberia for a couple of days doing um, uh, supporting a charity event, which was mind-blowing in terms of, you know, Liberia wasn't even on my radar as a country. And, I mean, it's not, it's not a, you know, travel destination per se. So... So probably elements of Africa. And then I haven't really done, I've, I've done Thailand a few times, um, been to Hong Kong, been to Japan, but I haven't sort of done Southeast Asia. So I'd love to right. 
do more of sort of Vietnam, Bhutan, some of the place around there. I feel like I, I did a big tick in terms of, and I don't mean tick, sounds terrible, but like I did more of Australia than I've ever done before. So my, my, my annual two-week trip, you know, mm-hmm. actually three days in New Zealand seeing my friend, three days in Sydney, three days traveling, I've only got three days left. And so I did Tasmania, I did Noosa, Byron, um, Fitzroy Island, I did the uh, with Sundays, which was amazing. So I've done lots there. So, so in my dream, or my goal is that my next sabbatical, I want to do twelve months. I'd love to do twelve months. Wow, yeah. As and when I can do that, and yeah. I don't, you know, I, I need, I need. I think having lots of time is good, but I need something to come back to. Like, would I want to be full time traveler? That wouldn't wouldn't work to me. I think, you know, I, I need a bit of structure. London is my home, my base. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm happy here, and so. In my dream sabbatical, I'm going to spend the summer doing Europe. And so I'd love to do something like drive from Lisbon to Athens or, mm. you know, do, do more. I, I don't actually know Germany that well, even though I'm from there originally. Yeah. I sort of drive through Germany, drive through France to rural. I, I, I did more of Italy in the pandemic because you couldn't do long haul than ever before. I loved that. And I'd love to do more Eastern Europe. And so something driving through Italy, driving through Hungary and Poland. So summer in Europe, I'd love to do then sort of September, October, November in uh, South America, do, do more there again, sort of travel around and then probably come back for Christmas. And you can tell I've thought about this because I sort of <laughs> planned that. And then January, February, March-ish, uh, spend in Asia, you know, Southeast Asia, do more of Vietnam for sure. Love the yeah. food, love the culture, you know, whether Cambodia, Bhutan, you know, some of the places around there. So so lots of places left. Very fortunate to have been to loads, but um I do sometimes challenge myself thinking, should I, you know, I'm going to Palm Springs over Easter. It's easy going with a friend. Yeah. It's a bit of a mileage tier point run as well, sort of earning status. But, um, yeah, I do sometimes think, um, there are many, many more places I want to go to. Yeah. But I'm like yourself, like sometimes I just like to go to them familiar places because you know what you're getting and don't get me wrong. There's so many places I want to go as well. I want to see the whole world, but just when you have that time, like whenever I finish the show, I'm in Mrs. Elfire. I'm literally, I just want to go to the place I love and where yeah. I know I'm just going to be content. And I often go to Mexico and just like go and sit on the beach and just recover and just go into my little cocoon. And then obviously I'll go back to Bali because I love it there. But yes, there's still so many places I want to go. And, and I think you're right. I think, you know, travel broadens the horizon and it's it's amazing to experience new things. But mm-hmm. there's a bit of comfort zone, you know, like if I go back to Barcelona, you know, I have a a restaurant I like, you know, a bar I like. In San Francisco, I know my way around. I don't mm. have to worry. And so, you know, the, the, there's a, there's an in-between. Not every trip can be a pushing your boundaries and comfort zone. So there's something nice about going back to... And, and, and I go back to the point I made earlier. Like, if I like somewhere, I will come back. Yeah. And that stops me from feeling like I have to tick everything. You know, so so New Orleans, first time I went, I was like... Wow, I didn't do everything that I is on the list for do, but I was like, I'm going to come back because I liked it, yeah. and I did go back, and so it's it's almost freeing. And I know, again, I repeat this: how fortunate, and privileged I am to say I will just come back because I know lots of people aren't necessarily able to do that. But but I'll just I'll come back if I like it. Therefore, I don't feel like I have to tick every single box in every single place. Yeah, one hundred percent. Now, something that doesn't really bring me joy. <laughs> is turbulence. <laughs> like, I love flying, but yeah, when it starts rocking from side to side, I'm a little bit like, ooh. And I was flying back from Mexico once, and apparently the airport in America had shut because of, like, tornado warnings and stuff, and the plane was literally going everywhere. And I was holding my mum's hand, 
and I was breathing and I was like, come on, find the joy, relax, relax into the tablings, but I just can't. Are you a fan of tablings? How do you deal with it? So I guess I don't think anyone is going to be a fan of it, right? I mean, it's, I guess some people might think it's a roller coaster. I don't, I don't love it, but I don't mind it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not scared by it. You know, as you said at the beginning, planes are pretty safe. I mean, yeah. it, it's the safest mode of transport. You know, yeah. me walking across the road to get here today is that's the more dangerous thing mm-hmm. I would have done today. Um, but it's still, I, th- I think, I think what what people don't like, and I get people who are scared about, it, is you you're, you're not in control, right? Yes. It's it's somebody else, and I don't necessarily mean the two pilots up front, you know, who are two anonymous or three or four, depending on length of flight, two anonymous people. But you're just you can't control it, and you mm. can't get yourself, you know, if if I if I was suddenly not feeling comfortable on the side of the road, I can sit down, mm-hmm. I can pop into Starbucks or something. So so I think people who get nervous about flying in general may not like the feeling of control. I guess I, I mean, you know, my, my sort of message to them, as I said, as you said, it is safe. These are professionals. You know, the standards are super high in terms of maintenance of aircraft and so on. Yeah. Turbulence happens. You know, I, I don't I don't love it. I do get I do. I, I'm actually not good in small planes. So mm. I once was in a prop plane sort of flying over my parents house and I was like Mm-mm, and yeah. lunch came back. And so so the, <laughs> the, the tiny planes and on approach and landing when you can see outside and you know gosh you, you, i thought we were almost landing but like seeing how high we are it's another five minutes i'm not amazing sometimes i always find sort of mid-atlantic because you can't really look out you can't really see the yeah. landscape i'm sort of sort of fine you just buckle in and, and 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 sort of deal with it i mean a sort of slight slight tip is so turbulence is worse at the back of the plane now yes i'm not saying therefore spend lots of money to be in front of the plane but 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 if you can sit over the wing or by the wing mm-hmm. versus the final row, sort of it just gets much more bumpy at the back. So the, the further towards the front, if you're worried about turbulence, the, yeah. the smoother. But it's just one of those things you have to go through as uncomfortable as it might be. But doesn't scare me, doesn't worry me. Do I love it? No. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's one of the things, side products of travel, right? Yeah. Well, now our listeners can just pop the headphones on and listen to the power of joy as the turbulence. <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> comes absolutely. On in, just yeah. find the joy. <laughs> so having worked for a travel media company for a long time, which is the number one resource for all things travel, points, miles and aviation, what tips do you have for our lovely listeners to get the most out of their traveling experience? Yeah, so I, again, I sort of get this question asked quite a lot. I mean, there's 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 different people, different stages. I think sort of a couple of things I would encourage, like try to earn Avios or Air Miles whenever possible. So I have, you know, a bunch of credit cards that earn me Avios for everything I spend. And, you know, the, the big caveat here right up front is if you're not in a place where you can pay off the credit card um, at the end of the month, then an Avios earning credit card probably isn't for you. So the... The, 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 the interest rates you pay on on these cards are really, really high. So if you're borrowing on a card, don't go for an Avios card because that's much, much higher. So mm-hmm. so it's only really, you know, it's for people who pay off their balance at the end of the month. And so I put everything I do pretty much through my credit cards that earn me Avios. And so whether that's £500 a month you spend or £3,000 a month you spend, you know, I've got a bunch of cards that earn me basically 1.5 Avios, so that's times 1.5. And so, so a flight to Europe... Um, BA have got a sliding scale now, but it's basically sort of 9,000 Avios and 35 pounds-ish. And so actually, you know, if you spend two grand on your Avios credit card, that earns you 3,000 Avios a year, which means every three months you get that flight to mm-hmm. Europe. And so 
So my, my number one is sort of try to earn Avios whenever you can. And so credit cards is one of those sides. There's actually shopping portals. I just treated myself yesterday to new um, AirPods. My other ones I put in the washer and um, uh. <laughs> Apple AirPods, uh, they, <laughs> no. they are okay-ish, but the, the, the noise cancelling doesn't work. They don't yeah. all charge very well. So I spent 200 quid for. And so Apple right now on the BA shopping portal, five Avios per pound spent. So I spent 200 pounds. I earned a thousand Avios. Now every mm-hmm. little helps. And so, so, so try to earn it wherever possible. And then the, the calculation, um, obviously join frequent flyer programs. You know, if you fly British Airways again, every little helps. So earn where you can. And and I typically say to people to think of an avios at a pence. So if you if you can spend, so if you if you can get a flight to Amsterdam for fifty quid in mm-hmm. cash, whether it's with Beer or Ryanair, or you can spend nine thousand avios and thirty five pounds, you're better off spending cash because that nine thousand avios is basically ninety pounds. And so when you when you think about should I be using this, think of an Avios at a pen. So it slightly pains me when I hear people saying, right, they got an Amex credit card, they earn twenty thousand Avios sign up bonus or forty thousand or whatever, and they spend twenty thousand Avios on a case of wine, which is fine. I mean, as I said, I don't drink, but that's two hundred pounds. And mm-hmm. so so that case of wine, six bottles, well, that's thirty quid a bottle. Like like what would you have spent in a shop for that? And would you? Because that's that's two and a bit flights to Berlin or Amsterdam or Paris you could have used for that. And so so number one is earn Avios when you can. Think of it. And I guess that the nice thing about Avios compared to cashback, because some people have cashback cards, is that you can have an arbitrage of value. So cashback, 1% cashback is 1% cashback. That's great. Mm-hmm. So the £3,000 you spend, that's 30 quid. Well, the, the 4,500 Avios you might earn of that £3,000 spend you should value that as £45, but you can actually get, say say you want to go to Berlin next weekend and say the flights are £250. And it's not always guaranteed that there's Avios seats available. But say you can get an Avios seat for that flight. You actually, the 9,000 Avios and £35 isn't just 125 which is what 90 plus 35 is, but you're saving 250 And so, so your choice of cashback is just flat. It's 1%. There's no arbitrage opportunity to get greater value out of it. So, Think about how you use it. And then the other thing I, I, I do sort of for, for lots of my travel is if you're flexible and if you don't mind being a bit wilder and crazier, mm-hmm. sometimes starting for a long-haul flight in Dublin or Amsterdam or Stockholm or Madrid actually significantly reduces the cost. Now, that's more so in business class, mm-hmm. um, you know, economy. If you have to fly to Dublin to save two hundred pounds, well, actually flying to Dublin might cost you fifty quid or sixty quid, and you might have to stay the night before. But, but you know, I, I've I've booked, and I know these numbers are are not not for everyone, but you know, I've booked business class flights from Dublin to San Francisco or Los Angeles for eleven hundred pounds. And you know, I tell myself, and I know slightly false economics, that an economy ticket probably is five, six, seven hundred. I know you might be able to get it for four hundred, but. But if you're saying it's six, seven hundred pounds, well, eleven hundred pounds only four hundred more. And so, so there's sort of hints and tips in terms of sometimes looking at not flying from London. Now, of course, you have to get to Dublin first. You can't miss sectors. And I know I'm going slightly detailed and deep here. That is amazing. But there's sort of there, there, there's ways of sort of looking at that. And I think particularly, I then sometimes say to people like treat treat the the Dublin or the Madrid or the Stockholm, make a mini break of it, right? Mm. Like flighters. That's what I did when I went to um. Uh, to Thailand two and a half weeks ago, my, my, my ticket was a double open jaw. So what that means is I started, I flew to a different destination than from where I flew back and mm-hmm. I started in a different point than where I ended. So 
double open jaw, my ticket was Helsinki, Bangkok and Ho Chi Minh City, Amsterdam. Right. And so what I did is I flew to Helsinki on the Thursday night after work, 6 p.m. flight. Now, with time difference, got there at 11. And my flight was at 4 o'clock the next day. So got up in the morning, went around, walk around town, went to sauna in Helsinki, this amazing outdoor, like massive sort of Scandi sauna where you swim in the river outside, really, really cold. You know, made a, it was only a day, only a couple of hours, but, you know, made a morning of it in Helsinki mm-hmm. and then flew Helsinki to Bangkok. And the way back, the journey was uh, Ho Chi Minh City, Doha, Amsterdam. Had three hours in Amsterdam and had an Avios ticket back to London. And so I guess I didn't view that Helsinki sector as a, oh gosh, I'm going to fly to Helsinki. Oh gosh, you know, Holiday Inn Express cost me 100 quid or something. But I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to have a nice morning. I mean, it's beautiful morning, sunny, minus five. And here mm-hmm. I was going for Thailand, Vietnam. So yeah. I, I had one fleece with me. But make a mini break of it. Don't, don't view the positioning to... Helsinki or Stockholm or Dublin or Madrid as a chore. Yes. And and I've done it, you know, I'm I'm going in January, I'm going to see friends in San Francisco and I'll fly to Dublin on the last flight, have an airport hotel, and I have a seven AM flight the next morning. That's a chore, right? Mm-hmm. There's no there's no sort of break to it. But 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 you can turn it into why not go to Dublin Friday afternoon, fly Sunday, save some money. So there's yeah. there's hints and tips, but I guess my number one is 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 Try to earn Avios whenever you can through credit card, through joining the frequent flyer program, through shopping portals. Yes. Number two is when you spend them, think of an Avios at a pence. So, so don't buy that case of wine for 20,000 Avios unless you really love that wine because that could have gotten you, you know, tickets for two people to Amsterdam and some spare change. Mm-hmm. Um, and then consider, you know, it doesn't always have to be from London. Sometimes... Yeah, as I said, Dublin, Stockholm, Amsterdam, sometimes Manchester, sometimes other places uh, cheaper. And then just look out for sales. Um, you know, I just rebooked um, Black Friday sales, a lot of the hotel chains, sort of 15, 20% off, whether on points bookings mm-hmm. or cash bookings. And I had a few bookings coming up for next year. I rebooked them. Um, and, you know, it's, again, every little helps. I'm only saving, you know, 15% or so. But, like, when those things come up and you have already bookings that you know you have and they're flexible. And I, you know, these days, flexible hotel, flexible flights are super expensive, but hotel bookings don't tend to be much more, you know, rebook when you can. And then again, status just helps. So I've got status with a bunch of hotel change. And so to give you an example, I, on my, my big trip in the Sundays, I stayed in the intercontinental on Hayman Island uh, mm-hmm. in the Sundays. beautiful sort of scenery, super expensive hotel. So I booked the cheapest, room I could do on points and I hadn't really spent hotel points uh, before ever really because I was always saving them for something aspirational and so I thought well if I'm not going to spend them whilst I'm unemployed on a big sabbatical when am I going to spend them and so I booked mm-hmm. the cheapest points room because I had status they upgraded me to a beach villa amazing villa and the the, the thing that is real value because I guess you could say well I don't need a beach villa I'm happy with a normal room that the island was only the hotel. I mean, there was more than, than the hotel, but there was no other infrastructure. So mm-hmm. you, you you couldn't eat anywhere else, basically. And the breakfast was something like 60 Aussie dollars. I think it was 45 pounds or something. Because it's an intercontinental five-star hotel. There are no captive market. There are no people who are paying 1,000 Aussie dollars per night. So what's $60 for breakfast? Mm-hmm. Well, I got breakfast for three for, through my status. And so right. I was there for three nights. That saved me 120 quid on breakfast. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's sometimes I was in Paris a couple of weeks ago with a friend and we also got free breakfast in a five-star hotel. I booked on a free night voucher. Now, that was worth 45 euros each, so 90 euros. We didn't really, you know, 
if we hadn't had that free breakfast, right across the road was a beautiful little boulangerie. We would have had a, you know, a croissant and a coffee there for mm. two euros. Mm-hmm. But on this island in the Sundays, I was stuck. So I would have had to have paid it. And so that's where hotel status, you know, airline status gets you into the lounge fast track. Hotel status, you know, it's the points for free nights. It's sort of upgrades. But it's things like, you know, the free bag on British Airways. That actually saves you money if you're going to fly with, with two bags. Mm-hmm. The wanting to sit together, wanting to have a good seat, that actually saves you money. You, know, you could say lounge, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, you can sit at a gate. You know, it's fine. Fast track, whatever. Well, some of these actually save you money. And so hotels, breakfast, upgrades are nice. Mm-hmm. I'll take them. But breakfast actually save you money. So there's, there's lots of ways. So, so you know, I, I don't, if you look at my my Instagram or you looked at my life, you might think, oh gosh, this, this guy's got a lot of money and spending a lot of money. I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate, you know, I, I work hard, I earn, mm-hmm. I earn money that I spend on travel, but I'm not a, I, I don't spend, you know, I'm not a lottery winner. I'm not a, you know, millionaire who spends mm-hmm. lots of money on travel. I just know how the system works and yeah. pick the right place, the right time, use the right instruments to upgrade. And I'm not saying it's, it's easy. And, you know, I, I know some people saying, gosh, you spend a lot of time thinking about these things. I just want to go to Spain for a week and chill. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I guess I'm just, you know, it, it, it gives, I like, it gives me joy to come back to your topic mm-hmm. when I know I'm playing the system yes. and I'm not exploiting the system. Yeah. And so many people will feel that joy doing the same. My mum is going to absolutely love everything you've just said. She loves her vouchers. She loves her points and she's going to yep. be onto this. And so many of our listeners are. So thank you so much. Christian, you've been an absolute joy. Thank you. I'm going to have to go and pack my bag now. Well, yeah, we've got to plan our trip. Let's go to Heathrow. Let's pick a Saturday in whenever. We'll go to Heathrow, look at the departure board, find an obvious flight, and and off we go. (laughs) Let's do it. I'd love to end my podcast with a quick fire round of questions. Are you up for it? So, when you think of the word joy, what is the first thing that comes to mind? Um contentment happiness you know calibration i know you said one word but like you know joy joy i actually one of the books i read said you know happiness or contentment i can't remember he basically said like find out what gives you joy and do that over and over again Mm -hmm. and that brings you to happy life and so it's the little things like you know having a bath treating yourself to a massage you know reading a nice book whatever what gives you joy and then do that over and over and then the more you do it the more blase you might get about it but mm-hmm. for me travel gives me joy and yes. so when i travel you know if you do things that give you joy over and over you have a happier life a hundred that must be the longest one word answer you've ever heard that is the power of joy right there what is your coffee order uh, black Americano. I'm a I'm a straightforward. Just give me a black coffee. Um, I, I I tease friends and colleagues who go for extra hot, extra wet, extra milky, extra white, <laughs> extra something. Black Americano for me. Yes. What superpower would you like to have? That's a difficult one. I I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's. You know, I I'm thinking a lot about family and health this year. You know, mm. had sort of parents of getting more frail my brother had some health issues i've had health issues with me and sort of other dark spaces mm-hmm. so i think i think i think the superpower i don't know whether it's it's not time travel it's not being able to live forever i i don't know i think i go back to i think joy joy changes right you know it's different like i now value time with family much more than i might have done 10 years ago because yeah. because you know I don't want to end on mortality, but you know, we all. A friend of mine recommended a book, and I, I think it's 
it's how to not give a shit. I, I think it's something like that. And, yeah. and basically he said the gist of it, and I've bought it, and I haven't read it yet. The gist of it, we're all going to die. Mm-hmm. And the older you get, the closer you get to death. Mm-hmm. And the more you realize, actually, life is about bringing you joy. It's about doing stuff you enjoy. Yes. It's about doing good things. And so the, the, the older you get, the, the more you might say, why exactly am I ironing a shirt every morning, which I, by the way, don't. Why exactly am I getting on the Northern Line every morning, which I don't. I cycle to work and I love cycling to work. Yeah. But like, it's sort of saying, why am I doing something that I'm not really enjoying? And so I think I think my superpower, I don't know, it's sort of, it's it's bringing joy to my parents right now. It's it's sort of bringing joy to other people. It's yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's not necessarily flying. I think it's, it's, it's probably just the self-awareness and progress and this all sounds really cheesy but it's it's i think i think i value that more right now than possibly other things and so my superpower is being around the people i love i think that is beautiful thank you thank you for that easy jet or ryanair so i tell my friends i'm a man of the people as i wave from the british airways lounge i have flown both recently absolutely fine at ryanair i was sat in 1A rather ironically because uh, I paid for the extra seat yeah. I think they're both fine I think you know uh, perception wise you know Ryanair is the airline that loves to sort of beat you but I think you can make and you know lots of bloggers have done this of, of you know can you turn a Ryanair EasyJet flight into a Club Europe experience well mm-hmm. actually you know I, I bought a sandwich on that Ryanair flight for five but whatever I think buy on board is fine in fact I'd rather when I'm hungry I'd rather be able to buy a sandwich than get a bag of crisps so both are fine. I think I think um, Ryanair planes look slightly sexier. I mean, I'm an Airbus 350, so if you say to me which plane the 350 is my, I think it's sexy with the Zorro yeah. sort of mask. Yeah. But I do think the 737, there's something sort of quite cool about it. So, uh, gun to head, I'll go with EasyJet. <laughs> okay. City break or beach holiday? Um, so different. I think right now, beach holiday. Uh, I always find after city break you sort of come back what I love about a city break if you go on a Thursday evening come back on a Sunday or even a Friday afternoon come back on a Sunday you're like wow like work feels so far away because you do so much you do lots of walking I love walking around but you come back and you think I need a break so uh, you know I wouldn't want to do a beach holiday for two weeks I wouldn't want to do a beach holiday for a week you know I I need to do something in between as in get on a moped and explore a little bit Um, Right now, I think a nice beach would be nice. Mm, 100%. Your favourite place to be on air? Favourite place to be on air? Um, up on a hill on an island watching the sunset. Mm, gorgeous. And the most important thing in your life? Most important thing in my life? Um, again, cheesy health. Right, you know, without that, and you know, I, I had some injured myself last year, had a fairly big surgery on my knee, which was fine, but again, so you have 900 and something ligaments in your body, and I tore three of them, and I had no mm-hmm. idea we have 900, but when you tear three and you can't walk, and you have to do physio for nine months, you sort of appreciate that more. So I think, yes. I think, I think health, yeah. because that's that's you know everything else, you know, you don't you don't need money. I'm not saying you need health joy you can you know if you're not healthy you can still find joy in life and bring joy to other people but i think without health um yeah it's not good i love you health it is health health is everything 
Well, Christian, thank you so much. It's been a joy to have you. You are amazing. Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed our Sunday morning together. Me too. Right, let's go to the airport. Yes, let's do it. Let's go. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode full of travel joy and holiday joy. And maybe start looking to book a holiday for the new year. Whoop, whoop. With Christian's hints and tips there. Get your points, get your points. And remember, we travel not to escape life but for life not to escape us. You can follow myself at It's Adam Lyons and you can follow Christian at Up In The Air CK. Thank you so much. If you would be so kind to leave a cheeky review and a rating on your podcast platform, it would be much appreciated. I shall see you next time on The Power Of Joy. Have a lovely week, everyone. So much love, so much joy. <laughs>